American Pie kicked off a new generation of teen sex comedies and brought us plenty of embarrassing encounters, Stifler's Mum, and a new way to look at warm apple baked goods. My guest today starred as Kevin in the franchise, best known for being the most sensible, while also the most desperate to lose his virginity. Please welcome to talk about his life after that thing he did, and his latest film Adverse with Mickey Rourke, Thomas Ian Nicholas. Tom, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I introduced you as Thomas Ian Nicholas, but you just go by Thomas Nicholas now. Yes, I, I'm trying to uh, become an adult at the age of 40 and uh, shed my middle first name uh, and moniker of 90s teen actor person <laughs> thing. My husband is an Ian. And he frequently complains that there aren't many cool Ians around. Because in TV or film, he says the Ian character always tends to be quite Weasley. So you've contributed there to being one less cool Ian <laughs> around. Oh, well, I, I appreciate that. Um, and I, I do apologise. It's nothing against the name Ian. Uh, it's really just against, you know, three first names. Uh and being taken seriously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a Genevieve and I'm I'm probably more on the way out than Ian as a dying breed of name. But it was very 90s to have three names, wasn't it? I think even in American Pie, there was you, Sean, William Scott, Eddie, Kay Thomas. It was it was it was a thing. <laughs> yes, we had and, and we all had essentially three first names. Um, so, you know, we all chose the left path as opposed to the right. The left path being 90s teen actor the right path being serial killer. <laughs> or maybe we chose the right path versus the left path. I, I don't know. We, we, we went one way versus the other. Okay, it is time for us to make a pact and enter the nostalgia zone. All right, let's do it. Uh, there's no way you could have known 22 years ago that American Pie was going to become as huge as it did. But I love that when you first got the script, you threw it in the bin and cancelled your audition. That I did. You know, I just didn't give it a chance. I judged a book by its cover. And the title of the, of the script was teen sex comedy that you can make for under $10 million that studios will hate, but audiences will love. It's a catchy title. That. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your first reaction then? You open the script, you see his description of uh, what you're going to have to do. Well, yeah, it was, uh, it was a scene. The original script opened with a scene between my character and, uh, so it was Kevin and Vicky. And um, Vicky was giving Kevin some specific instructions on how he should maneuver his fingers. And I was like, oh gosh, uh, yeah, uh, no, teen sex comedy, more like a porno. Thank, no, thank you. <laughs> so that's that was that was my first impression and uh, reaction. So then what convinced you to audition for it? My agent at the time um, said that they they really wanted to see me. I think I've only actually just found this out. Um, so Andrew Keegan, who's also in Adverse, Another 90s yes. teen star. Yeah, I mean, there's there's kind of that that cool sequence where you've got Luke Edwards, Andrew Keegan, and myself driving in the car, and Jake T. Austin driving to the to the beach, you know, and it's kind of like, how many 90s <laughs> kids can you put in one scene together? So apparently, uh, Keegan told me that 
Because I had I had found out that he had booked American Pie before me. Oh. Uh, for my role, but he was also doing 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. And there was apparently one day in question that messed up his schedule. And it was the day they were shooting with uh, the band Save Ferris and they wouldn't move it. And so that's how the role became available to me. Wow. Um, so, and we would, Keegan and I would go on a lot of similar auditions together. Um, you know, we had a similar look, not just because we went to high school together. And uh, I basically, my agent said, they really want to see you. Can you read this script? And I said, okay, I promise I'll, I'll at least read the script all the way through and give it one, you know, one more chance. I didn't go and pick up the script in time. And I told her I would answer her by like a certain time period. So I said, okay, let's, listen, I, I, I'm going to go on the audition tomorrow. I'll pick up the script tonight, you know, from the Dropbox in front of the office and I promise I'll be there. She goes, okay. So I drive there late at night, pick it up. I read it in the morning. Like I wake up at like 5 a.m. because my audition's at 10 or 11. And I'm laughing hysterically. And it's the best thing I've ever read. <laughs> I didn't know why I didn't give it a chance before. Your character, Kevin, is the one that kicks off the whole thrust of the film. So that's probably for a poor choice of words. Pun intended. Poor choice of words. No, that's a, that's a good pun. <laughs> kicks I like off it. The pact um, for the guys to lose their virginity by prom night and you have this great line that you pronounce standing on a sofa no longer will our penises remain flaccid and unused did you manage to get that out in one take or as a group of guys did you struggle to keep it together most of the time um that was all right i don't remember uh, laughing hysterically i the only the only thing i remember about that particular scene is we were goading chris to do the like um, Bruce Lee type of dubbing uh, mouth movement because that wasn't in the script. So, you know, when he says that like the Shaolin masters were like, you have to go like the Shaolin masters and then move your lips like, you know, you're <laughs> nothing's coming out. And so he was embarrassed to do that. So that became the total focus of that scene was all of us trying to get Chris to do that moment. <laughs> I think that I found quite interesting was that you hadn't really done comedy before American Pie. It was like kind of like mostly drama. And I think you said before that comedy was your your weak point in your acting arsenal. That would make sense that you wouldn't. I mean, I guess, well, you would see, you would know A Kid in King Arthur's Court, uh, which we actually filmed a couple of bits in, in England uh, at an old army base. All the baseball stuff is actually there. Uh, obviously, we've got Kate Winslet and Daniel Craig in the film. But then my previous one, Rookie of the Year, when I was a kid, uh, I don't think plays very well in the UK, being that it is a baseball film. <laughs> Baseball's not not that big here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a feeling. Uh, no, no. I mean, if it had been about, uh, you know, cricket, maybe it'd be different. Um, but I don't I mean, I'm, I'm sure Kid in King Arthur's Court was released there. Or was it not? I try to think. I, it wasn't one that crossed my path to be honest huh. as as one so i'm not sure it had like a really big release here yeah probably not then because it, it obviously at that point daniel craig wasn't 007 and kate winslet wasn't well she i think she'd done heavenly creatures at the time but she wasn't that's that's the only one yeah she'd only done heavenly creatures she wasn't titanic kate winslet at that time right yeah so though i mean so i kind of rookie of the year was the sort of the turning point into comedy for me and then i went on a series of you know comedic roles 
through the American Pie films. But yeah. then after, uh, when we were doing American Pie 2, I kind of started dipping my toe back in the dramatic water and even into horror. So I did a film called Rules of Attraction, um, which is, I mean, gosh, it's like 20 years ago now. Uh, and then also Halloween Resurrection. We'll talk about all these things in the second half. I know, I'm sorry. My... But when when you when you're looking back at 34 years, the nostalgia becomes interweaved in a serious, confusing web. <laughs> Hold that thought. We will come back to it shortly. But um, I know there are alternate versions of American Pie. But what's some of the stuff you shot that ended up on the cutting room floor? Wow, I'm trying to think. There there was um, there was one scene that actually was a little bit more dramatic because in the development of Kevin for American Pie. Um, we did focus on some of his more serious background and why he was so against simply saying, I love you to Vicky to, you know, get her in the sack. And it was more about like his upbringing and, you know, his parents being separated and how that all affected him. And there's a, a bit of a touch on it in a, a scene in Vicky's bedroom, but that scene was cut in half. Uh, as well as the opening scene that I told you that was in the script, uh, ended up being um, Jim's moment with a, himself versus Kevin and Vicky. And then, of course, the ending. Uh, but we never shot it that way. So we never shot that scene. So it, it didn't technically end up on the cutting room floor. You were 18 when you made the film. And of course, you had lots of scenes with Tara Reid, who played your girlfriend, Vicky. That must have been awkward filming sex scenes. I mean, I know now you have like intimacy coordinators on sets, but but what was it like back then? You know, that was the one day that my agent happened to visit the set. Um, so that was odd. Um, you know, they 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 do things respectfully on on film sets. I mean, we we had a even though the scene didn't make the final cut of uh of adverse um, it's the same sort of gambit now versus then. You try to limit the amount of crew that you have to only essential key people so that, you know, you kind of truncate down to only who needs to be there, not every looky-loo under the sun. So if you've got, you know, 40 crew members, you might like only have your essential 12, um, whoever actually needs to be there. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the wardrobe department kind of has a, a sort of a, a robe standing by. Uh, and then and then back then, because we were so young, um, there was, you know, uh, additional coverings, maybe skin tone coverings. To protect your modesty. <laughs> to protect your modesty, which which still is is uh is again the same in, in adverse, uh, even though I'm, you know, 40. So they they're still protecting me with skin tone components at 18 and at 40. <laughs> And then what was it like watching the film for the first time with your parents? Or has that not even happened uh, yet? <laughs> no, no, that, that's the first time I saw the movie was sitting next to my mom. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty embarrassing. Was there no eye contact the whole film? <laughs> no, no, it was fine for them. I mean, it's not like I'm doing something embarrassing for the whole film. It was really just the moment that we're talking about, the the intimate scene where she kind of you know, head down a little bit, sort of avert averting thine eyes uh, from the screen and me not quite being willing to look at her reaction for fear of 
complete embarrassment and annihilation. <laughs> and I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but you've got a nine-year-old son now. Is he is he aware that American Pie exists? And are you ready to have the conversation with him in probably about six, seven years when it inevitably is going to come up? Uh, he is aware that it exists only because he's in a small, well, in a smaller, big way, is kind of following in my footsteps a little bit. So he's done a few acting roles. He's actually got a small part in Adverse. And so uh, my son actually has uh, another film coming out later this year uh, with M. Night Shyamalan uh, called Old. I saw the trailer for it during the Super Bowl, wasn't it? They, they all, yeah. People go to an island and they mysteriously start getting older. That's it's yes, it is based on a, a graphic novel uh, entitled Sandcastles or Sandcastle. Uh, yeah, so so because of his like move into the acting world, I have talked about my films. And now that he's done some interviews, they're asking him about American Pie. Uh, and of course, I stand firm in my belief that I will never show him those films. <laughs> he will have to watch it somewhere else. He'll He'll probably get like a. A bootleg copy, I guess. He'll help <laughs> to watch it at a friend's house and then, and then, you know, try not to reveal that he knows that he's seen or that he's seen it. It's not so bad. You weren't the one that had the relationship with the pie, right? So it's, it's, it's not as bad as it could be. Yeah, it, it could be worse. <laughs> it could, it could definitely be worse. Um, I noticed that there is an American Pie 5 listed on IMDb and I'll say it, it hasn't been updated for a few years. Um, but the plot says that the guys go on a trip to Vegas. Do you think... There'll be another American Pie film. So there's there's a bit of a of a cacophony in regard to this, and I'm unfortunately part of it. So um, when we were doing the press for American Reunion uh, with John and Hayden, they had come up with an idea for a sequel, and so uh, Hayden was sitting down with me. You know, we we're having a, a bite to eat. I think we were in like Switzerland or something, and he started to tell me a little bit about the plot. Now, I understood that they were going to pitch this to Universal because Universal was like, okay, let's, you know, let's, we'll hit another one next year. That was sort of the, the, the rumor mill. So I thought that John and Hayden had written the script because they already had the idea for the story and that Universal just wasn't moving forward on it. And then there was some press that, you know, I think someone said that, that we were doing it. So I texted John and Hayden, the directors, you know, they're obviously busy now with Cobra Kai. Uh, and so I said, did you, what's going on with this? And they're like, no, 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 no. You got it wrong. We never wrote the script. We pitched Universal. They liked it, but they never pulled the trigger. So that's where things are at with at least their American Pie 5. Although the franchise has continued without the original cast, and I think it's it's fair to say they haven't quite captured audiences in the same way as the original cast films. Do you think that sensibilities have changed over the past decade that would make it trickier to make a new American Pie film? I mean, like specifically, I'm thinking about where Jim secretly films Nadia getting undressed and then streams it online. You, like you couldn't get away with doing that today in a film. Yeah, I mean, there's certain things that we, but but to be fair, even back then, we were pushing the envelope. There were certain certain things that were taboo that we couldn't include from drafts that Adam had written in the in the second film, mainly that we were then able to later do, you know, 
uh, and and kind of touch on subjects that we, in American Reunion. So I don't know. It was a it was a, or even in, in American Wedding, like there was there were certain jokes that got cut all the time because of how we were pushing the envelope. So I think the biggest the biggest question really is will Universal see the value in doing it? Um, I think it's, I don't think it's a question of like what fans want. I think it's always a question of commerce. I mean, I don't think that since American Pie, there's really been another teen comedy film that's kind of captured people in the way that American Pie did. I mean, there'd been like a really big gap between, I'm thinking like the Porkies and Bachelor Party type film, Revenge of the Nerds before American Pie. And then nothing kind of since American Pie until maybe Book Smarts, they probably the only film that I can think of that really has touched upon that that same kind of feeling. Well, there's that other one. What was it that was the it had a different title like every country that Seth Rogan was a producer on. Why am I spacing on the name? It has like a really like uh crazy like a name you can't say in some countries. Oh my gosh. It was but right before Book Smart. Why am I spacing on this name? Shall I consult the internet? Yeah, I'm going to consult the internet. <laughs> and I, I apologize, Seth, that I forgot the name of your movie, but don't worry, you weren't in it. You only produced it. Um, oh my gosh. It's something with, I remember there's like a, like a, a silhouette of a, of a chicken as the, a cover. Oh, wow. cock blockers. Yeah. Cock blockers. Thank you. I'm like, why can I not think of that? Maybe it's because secretly I don't want to be cock blocked, you know? <laughs> So I, therefore, the, the the name escapes me. Funnily enough, I, when I was thinking about what a American Pie Five film could be, it was that you guys all have kids that are kind of the age of going to prom now, and you're all going to try and stop them from losing their virginity. But that sounded too much like cock blockers. Well, there was a. I think even uh, Hayden and John uh, had a, a film called Cherries or something that was similar, a similar storyline to Cock Blockers, um, where they were kind of taking that sort of play on American Pie, but focusing it on female lead characters versus male. So, and in my mind, that's not a, that's not a feature film. That's a, that's a short film because in my mind, women are the ones that are in control. So like that seems to me to be a pretty short film. Like guys, you could spend a whole movie with them trying to get laid girls. You're like, and five minutes later they decided, okay, great. Um, it's, it's brilliant that people who were born after you made the film are now watching it and enjoying it. But what do you hope will be the film's lasting legacy? Um, I think one of the main reasons that the film kind of lived on, in my opinion, is that, and the thing that I didn't give it a chance to show when I threw the script in the trash the first time is that it has a lot of heart and it has... You know, it has female characters that are not just objects of affection. They are, they do uh, have control and are, you know, intelligent. And, you know, they, they, it isn't just that, you know, porky sort of female reference. And so that's those, those two elements, I think, may have made it stand the test of time. And there's, there's a lot of uh, relatability to, how much, and I've always talked about my character and how, you know, they break up, you know, after they finally uh, have sex, then they break up because let's face it, sex complicates every relationship. Um, and, and that is the, the the proof right there with Kevin and Vicky. <laughs> Maybe they would get back together in American Pie 5, if that ever happens. 
you know, that's that has been, I think, a, a one of those fandom uh, desires. Everyone was all the all the fans, all the you know the the diehard American Pie fans were truly bummed that Kevin and Vicky uh, did not end up together. But that's also true to form. That's what makes the 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 character the characters in the story more relatable because it is more uh, true to life, so to speak. Okay, it's time to leave the nostalgia zone and head into what I like to call the latted zone, otherwise known as life after that thing I did. All right. The American Pie franchise with the original cast spanned 13 years um, between the first and last films. But after you did the first movie, you alluded to it earlier, that you had such a range of roles because you did horror with Halloween Resurrection, you played Frank Sinatra Jr., you played Abby Hoffman in the Chicago 8 before, a year before American Reunion came out. Um, Compared to some of your co-stars who perhaps went down more of the teen film route after the first film, were you purposely steering away from comedy? Um, Yeah, I wasn't. I mean, look, if something really good had come my way, uh, I would have considered it, but I definitely was aiming for a one-two punch, um, meaning, or like a, a switch of a stance. So I was I was very focused on doing serious things. I think in my mind's eye, I, uh, I had an idea of what I'm actually doing now, which is um, while I did the Rules of Attraction and Halloween Resurrection, it, it wasn't until adverse that I really cemented uh, my ability in a dramatic role. But yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't, again, though, I wasn't like wholeheartedly avoiding it. It wasn't like Seth Rogen came to me and I was like, no, I will not do comedy. Or Judd Apatow was like, come be in this other. I was, no, no comedy for me. <laughs> so, okay, that, so that brings us to Adverse then. We'll talk about your latest film. So, uh, a revenge drama, which you produce as well as star in. Um, and again, very different role to what we've seen you in before. You know, ex-con, tattoos, a lot of fight scenes. You're particularly handy with a tire iron. <laughs> um, even your physical appearance is different to what we normally see you in. Yeah, we tried to uh, to change everything um, about me to, to really just kind of go for it. Um, and I remember when Brian A. Metcalf showed me the first script, um, and I expressed, you know, my insane interest in playing the role of Ethan. He wasn't even quite sure that I could pull it off, uh, with what he envisioned. And we'd already done, you know, three movies together. <laughs> um, so it was only after we, we worked, we did work sessions on the character and started developing all these things to, to basically just change every aspect of myself and then see how I could live in that that skin of that character. There's a great cast, Lou Diamond Phillips, Sean Astin, Penelope Ann Miller, and Mickey Rourke also stars in the film. But the first scene you shot with him was a bit unusual. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, uh, the first scene was downstairs in the Viper Room. In the film, we, of course, call it the Velvet Room. 
but anyone who's ever been to the Viper Room knows that it's the Viper Room. I spotted the outside wide shot and I was like, I'm sure that's the Viper Room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we digitally changed the name of it. Uh, there's a whole story behind that, but we'll, we'll you know, just creaking it out. Uh, and so, yeah, so, so Mickey was on set. Um, he didn't really introduce himself to me. Um, and, and that's okay. He's, he's kind of larger than life and he's Mickey Rourke. So we did the first scene having never met one another and he goes off book. We're in like this dramatic improv moment, kind of like I'm following along, staying with him. I'm not really sure where it's going to go, what he's going to do. Uh, just staying in character. Finally, Brian yells cut and he kind of looks at me and he's like, Hey, I'm Mickey. So I think I had sort of passed the Mickey Rourke test of uh, dramatic improv. <laughs> yeah, and his respect. Yeah, yeah, I, I gained a, a small ounce of respect in that, at least in that moment. Um, I noticed there's, I don't want to spoil it too much for people, but I mentioned you and your, your tire iron before, but the scene involving the tire iron was very reminiscent for me of this, this very famous scene in the film Old Boy, where he has a, a claw hammer. Was that like a like an intentional reference to that that scene? Uh, you have you have Brian A. Metcalf to thank for that one. He literally was showing Old Boy to the cinematographer for how he wanted to shoot that sequence near the end of the film, which he also kind of combined with uh, the stylings of Road to Perdition, where the music kind of takes over and you don't really hear the sound of the scene. Uh, I know this because when we were getting our QC reports back from Lionsgate, they kept saying, all the sound effects cut out during this part. And we're like, no, that's on purpose. You don't understand. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, Brian had a, a very clear intention of what he wanted in that sequence and was specifically uh, going after the old boy vibe uh, for that fight scene. Cool. All around the acting. You also make music and you've released six albums now with your band and toured quite prolifically, both in the US, but also here in the UK. And I think I think this time last year you were over here, weren't you? Yeah, we had just actually premiered um, Adverse at Fantas Porto in Portugal. We were the opening night film there and will be the opening night film at Ramsgate on June 3rd in the UK. Um, and so, yeah, I did a tour afterwards. I played in Portugal and then I came up to the UK and did a tour around and I played at the Cavern Club in Liverpool during that tour. Cool. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was my last tour before the lockdown. <laughs> so for the past, I guess, 43 weeks now, you've been doing Sunday Fun Day. I have been. Where you play a show, a live show every week for your fans is that weird with no audience? Uh, I mean, it's become uh, a little bit more of a family because it's it's just specifically it's a private show for my Patreon page. So there's a it's kind of a tight knit group to the point now where, OK, so we've only got, you know, so many people on Patreon that are the patrons supporting album seven and then a smaller group of that that are on every Sunday fun day. And when I log in there's already a chat going with everyone else, like talking <laughs> to each other and catching up and, oh, how are you doing? And I, some of them have become like Facebook friends now. And it's almost, 
it's become surreal in a sense because you're getting that like, hey, I've made friends because we like the same band kind of vibe, but no one's in person. So it definitely uh, has elevated the game as far as having the live chat and the inter interrelationship of the people watching as well as just with me and them. So, um, I mean, look, I, does anything top a live show? No, I, live is is, you know, the energy in the room is so much better, but uh, I'm thankful to have the release once a week uh, of getting to play my music for, you know, a, a group of people that are, are adamant about listening. You toured over here a few years ago with your frat party tour, which included your favorite songs from the American Pie soundtracks. And it was a university tour, I believe as well. So how did you find our universities? <laughs> Uh, well, it was during Freshers Week, uh, which, you know, I, I, I very so quickly- So that's a lot of drunk people. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, see, here's the main difference, right? So if you do, and I've done college tours in the States, but remember the drinking age is 21 here. And so you've got college freshmen that are 18. So, you know, not the, the party is not the same on campus because there's no bar. So you go to the UK and all of a sudden, not only- is, you know, the drinking age is 18. So there's a bar and then the venue is just like, you know, to the nines. Um, so it was great. It was a great experience. And it was, yeah, one of some of my most favorite tours were those university tours. And I think we did it, I want to say two or three times. Wow. It must be great as well, because the people that you're performing to are of the age where they grew up watching American Pie. And so it must be for them, they're like. I don't know if they grew up watching it considering if they're 18 and the film is actually older than them. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but it's but it's like a rite of passage for, for kids to watch. Now. You know what, what helps actually is that from all my friends in the UK, I get text messages, I would say two or three times a month that American Pie, any number of them are playing on TV too. So. It's kind of like uh, um, the in-betweeners. It's sort of like in-betweeners and American Pie are always playing on TV too. And uh, and Back to the Future as well here. All the time. <laughs> there you All go. All the time. <laughs> yeah, I just showed that to my son uh, while we were in the Dominican Republic filming the, the M. Night movie. Uh, he watched Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3. So many questions about time travel. Just brush them off. I'll, I'll explain it when you're older. <laughs> Well, he's, 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 he's a very, very smart, uh, young, young kid and has talked about inventing a time machine. Oh. Uh, so I thought like he was finally old enough to be able to grasp the concept yeah. in a film version, you know. Um, you've also played for the troops in the Middle East as well. What is that experience like? Uh, that was awesome. I've always, I've done some smaller events before then but I had always wanted to, to do something for the troops. So Navy entertainment sent my band. We went to, uh, the, we went to Italy, the middle East to, uh, what was it? Uh, Bahrain. And then, and then we went to Djibouti, Africa, which of course the capital of Djibouti is Djibouti. So we were in Djibouti, Djibouti. Uh, and that was amazing. It was an amazing opportunity to to go and and say thank you to, you know, troops and people from you know there there was there was training exercises actually in Bahrain that um, so there was troops from all over the world that were doing training courses. So 
I, I, it was just great to, to, you know, say thank you to them in that kind of way and provide some entertainment and nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. I, it must be great to, I mean, I can imagine that there's a lot of, maybe my, my opinion on this is totally based on watching the film Jarhead, but I feel like there's a lot of time when you're not doing anything that can just get very monotonous and boring and being able to have entertainment like your band come and play for them to make, you know to appreciate their service must just be very satisfying to do. Yeah, I mean it's it's an opportunity because look, I could not do what they do, um, but their their job is important, uh, you know, in a, in a sense of our, of our safety. So and and they're they're sacrificing a lot and being away from their families and loved ones. So to make the trip all the way there just to even be there was kind of like enough for them to to take a step back and go, oh, wow, that's so cool that you came. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm here for you. Thank you for doing what you do. So you have so much going on, acting, producing, touring in between when, when the world allows it. And your wife is a DJ too. How do you balance work, life and family? Uh, the secret is no sleep and lots of coffee. That's That's pretty much my secret. <laughs> do you think much of achieving that balance apart from the no sleep and coffee is down to you keeping a low profile in terms of the public eye? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have always been focused on the work. Um, the creation process is the thing that, that I am drawn to the most. Uh, all of the recognition for that is is a byproduct of getting to do what I love. And obviously that byproduct can help me generate more opportunities to do what I love. So it's it's a, a balance of playing that that game um, so that I can do what I love. <laughs> and that's that's really the balance is and, and that's what I we're trying to instill in our kids is that it's not about, you know, what someone else thinks about what you do. It's about putting your best foot forward to do what you're proud of because at the end of the day, like that, that honesty to ourselves is so much more important than what we achieve. It's, you know, sort of how we feel about what we're doing and, and the, and, and the process of, um, focusing on the journey, not the destination. Last question. As if you didn't already have enough going on already, <laughs> I discovered something very cool that you sent two of your projects into space last year. Yeah. Tell me about that. Um, yeah, that is really cool. Thank you for for uh, for noticing that. I feel like I like I dropped that information. Everyone was like, eh. <laughs> it was oh, in space. Cool. Right. That's that's the thing. Like, I don't think anyone really, really understood that it actually went to space. So uh, during the course of Adverse, we started working, uh, we started using OWC hard drives for our deliverables. In fact, last year was the, I think the first time we did, we got an OWC drive that was like the size of my phone and it was four terabytes. So we were able to ship a high resolution file of the movie to Francis Porto to play in Portugal. Um, and so we started doing more stuff with OWC. And so they were the ones that were sending this new Envoy Pro yada 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 hard drive on this spaceship. 
the, the Blue Envoy into space and then back. And they were going to include uh, entertainers that they have worked with on the drive. So they put like a bunch of like well-to-do artists on there. And I got not just one project, but two. So we put uh, the trailer for Adverse and we put um, my new kids project, my music for kids project called The Robot Kid um, on there. So I kind of like slapped together a little promo video uh, of it. And yeah, so I have a certificate that we sent these things to space and they came back. <laughs> I love that the uh, the robot kid is uh, songs for kids that won't annoy parents. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when any any parent will understand that sentiment because when a kid likes something, they will listen to it 150 times. So in this house, we're we're very adamant that we kind of like hear something. And if we feel like it's going to be annoying, 10 listens in, we're just like, okay, let's find something else. Baby sharks banned from your house then. Yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, they still end up singing it, my daughter especially, uh, even though we, we haven't allowed it that much. Um, cause it's just so ridiculously, it's an earworm as they say, but, uh, yeah. The, and then I've also got my kids singing on the robot kid, Awesome. which is, yeah. So my son was, I think he did, I recorded a song years ago with him where he sings the answer line, I think when he's about three and then I got the, both of them, uh, last year to sing the chorus, which I'm working on the first cartoon now, uh, the title track, uh, self-titled song, The Robot Kid. Awesome. So that it will hopefully be launching into our space, <laughs> not actual space, but our space soon. Awesome. Um, I see you've got a guitar behind you. I'd love it if you could please play us out with a song, if you may. I can, I can. Um, okay. Well, since we already got to hear an American Pie song and the frat party thing's been out there, uh, I will play a little bit of uh, my one of my recent songs called Imaginary Life that I just dropped a, a music video for uh, and that I wrote with my friend Johnny Lucas, who's from Warrington. So here is Imaginary Life. Imaginary life will be. All right, 
just a verse in a chorus. Thank you so much for your time, Thomas. Best of luck with Adverse, your next album, and The Robot Kid. And here's to the next step. Ah, thank you. Huge thanks again to Tom for chatting with me and playing us out. Adverse is out now if you're in the US and as Tom said, it will be the opening film at the Ramsgate International Film Festival here in the UK in June. You can also find Tom on Twitter at TinBand where you'll also find his website and music or you can pop along to the show notes for this episode and all the links are there. As ever, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Celebrity Catch-Up. I know there's lots of podcasts to choose from, so thank you so much for choosing this one. If you'd like to support the show, please don't keep the podcast to yourself. It would really help me out if you could share it with a friend or post a screenshot on social media and tag me so that others can discover it and enjoy it too. And do hit that follow button so you can be notified when new episodes come out. And of course, you can also visit celebritycatchup.com for other ways to help out and also get in touch if you'd like to say hello. Until next time, thanks for listening. Listener.